Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week. Gets us into God's Word for about 13 minutes or so, but even that is important to our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And so being in God's Word every day, even for a short period of time, that helps us to stay strong and even grow stronger in our faith. We encourage you always to share these short studies with everybody you can, because undoubtedly you know people in your life who need to grow in their faith, and they need to start thinking about their their salvation, their soul's salvation. Help them by sharing every day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a wonderful blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a wonderful blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study talking about baptism. And we have really been focusing upon the fact that baptism is absolutely necessary for our salvation. Well, we've asked the question, what is baptism? Or rather, first, what is the gospel? And so the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at the first seven verses or so. And then we ask the question, okay, if that's what the gospel is, then how does that apply to us? Well, we noted in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, that Jesus is going to come back on the final day of judgment with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance or bringing judgment upon those who do not know God and upon those who do not obey the gospel. Well, how do we obey the gospel? First, we need to understand what the gospel is. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it is that message of salvation that God sent his son into this world to go to the cross and die so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins through the blood that he shed on that cross. He died on that cross, literally, physically. He was buried in that tomb, and he arose from that grave victorious over death, demonstrating that he truly is God's Son and our Lord and Savior. Well, so we're going to be held responsible, accountable, for obeying the gospel. Again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. How do we obey the gospel? We looked at, at in some detail, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through, well, you can actually begin with verse 1, go all, read all the way down through verse 6. And so there, there is a likeness from a spiritual perspective or on a spiritual level of the death, the burial, and the resurrection as we are baptized into Christ's death. We are buried with him through baptism. And as we come up out of that grave of water that we call baptism, being completely immersed or buried therein, we rise up to a new life in Christ, having been forgiven of our sins. The blood that he shed on the cross at that point washed away the guilt of all of our sins. So there's the death, we're baptized into his death. There's the burial, we're buried with him 
through baptism, and his, there's the resurrection. As he came forth from that literal grave, we come up from that grave of water that we call baptism, reborn spiritually, and that coincides with what Jesus told Nicodemus must happen in John chapter 3 and verse 5, except a man is born of water and the Spirit. And there's the water, there's baptism. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. There it is. It's right there for us. So the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. We obey the gospel as we come to God through Jesus in repentance and surrender as we are baptized into his death, buried with him through baptism, and raised up from that watery grave to walk a new life. What a great image. What a great image. Well, and Jesus told the apostles as he was about to ascend to heaven after his resurrection from the grave and having appeared risen for a period of 40 days to hundreds and hundreds of individuals, he told the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. And so the gospel message and that gospel message ultimately culminates as we come to, to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation in our being baptized. That's for our salvation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Also, we noted Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, where on Pentecost, when many of those Jews asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do after they had been preaching the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ to them. Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord himself sent a man, Christian man named Ananias to teach Saul of Tarsus, who had been a great enemy of the church and of Christ prior to that point in his life, and Ananias asked him, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. Now, we must be forgiven of our sins in order to be saved, because the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, that same verse. Well, how, do we, how, how can we be forgiven of our sins? We're baptized for the remission of our sins. We're baptized to wash away our sins. God does the washing, or we could say the blood of Christ does the washing away, the cleansing. But we submit to that methodology, if you want to think of it that way, or that act of obedience is really how we ought to think about it more accurately, by letting ourselves be baptized. By letting ourselves be baptized. Now, we looked at a and at an objection or two, a couple of objections, and we, we saw those that they hold no water whatsoever. Well, let's look at another objection, and that is that people will say, and I've had this said to me, that baptism is a work, and man cannot be saved by works. Well, we cannot be saved by our own works in and of themselves and by ourselves. If we want to think of meritorious works, somehow we earn our salvation. That's taught against repeatedly in the New Testament scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9, the apostle Paul wrote, 
Well, actually, let's go back to verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, some people will say, it's only by God's grace that we can be saved. That's absolutely correct. We cannot save ourselves. We depend upon God through his grace to save us. But now notice that it's not just grace, God's grace, that is brought into the picture there by the Apostle Paul. He says, you, by grace you have been saved through faith. That's our part. Now, we've talked about many, many times through these different series of lessons and studies on today's Bible class that real saving faith is not just intellectual believing. It's not just an intellectual agreement in our minds. Okay, now I believe in God. Now I believe in Jesus. But real saving faith is active faith, obedient faith, following the commandments, the teachings of God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, obediently. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 9, Ephesians 2 and verse 9. Yep, we cannot save ourselves through meritorious works where we can kind of come to God like the employer at work and say, hey, I put in my time. I did the work. You owe me a paycheck now. But we can't go to God in that way and say, okay, I did, I did uh, what, what I'm supposed to do. I did a bunch of these good works and everything. Now uh, you owe me salvation. You owe me eternal life. No, we don't earn our salvation. It is by God's grace. It is God's gift to us by, through Jesus Christ or in Jesus Christ. But does God expect us to respond to his offer of grace to us by way of our obedience to his teachings, coming to him his way? Absolutely. No question about it. In Galatians chapter, in Galatians chapter 2, And uh, verse 16, we read this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, referring back to the Old Testament law of Moses, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Well, we're not living under that Old Testament law of Moses any longer. That was nailed to the cross, so to speak, when Jesus died on that cross, bringing an end to that period. Well, let's look a little bit further here. Is baptism truly a work? I I heard a man tell me one time, that's a work. You've got somebody pushing you under the water. Well, that's a strange, strange classification or characterization of working somebody pushing you under the water. But let's say, okay, if that's your definition of a work, who's doing the pushing? It's not, it's not the person being baptized. He's being totally submissive, totally passive. He's simply allowing himself to be baptized into Christ. So you can't say that He's earning his salvation by his works. But again, to say that somebody pushing you under the water is a work is rather absurd when you stop and think about it from just an analytical perspective. How in the world could you consider that to be a work? That sounds rather legalistic, similar to what uh, the Jews are the you know, in, in Old Testament times, 
characterized tying some knots in a string or a rope as being a work, but tying other knots in certain other ways, that was not a work. Yeah. How many steps could you take, and that would be considered okay, but one more step, and now it's a work that you've been doing because you've been walking? Somebody pushing you underwater, that's a work. How is that working? That's simply an action of, of, of obedience to a command that we are to baptize people into Christ. Well, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, notice this carefully. The Apostle Paul wrote, Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, who does the work there in baptism? Not the person plunging somebody under the water. That's not a work. Not the person simply submitting to be baptized in the water, that's not, he's, he's just passive, completely passive, completely submissive. God is the one who does the work of cleansing and forgiving and saving as we submit to being baptized into Christ. God is the one doing the work. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you for your blessings of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for giving us the way through baptism to be forgiven and saved and to enter into Christ, our Lord and Savior. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.